Welcome to Story and Horse, a podcast where we hear stories from creative lives. Meet new people, hear about their challenges and triumphs, and get inspired to move forward with your creativity. Now here's your host, Hilary Adams. Thanks for joining us on the Story and Horse podcast. I'm Hilary Adams, creative coach and founder of Story and Horse. We offer personalized coaching for creative people. And here on the podcast, we share stories from creative lives. And today we are joined by actor, director, producer, Colin Hanlon. Hi, Colin. Hi, how are you? It's great to see you again. You too. It's been way too long. It's been so long. Um, (laughs) So Colin, can you start us off by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you're up to? Sure. Um, Well, I, what have I been up to? I'm I'm up to like uh, a lot of, a lot of things, which is crazy, Um, which is sort of, I guess, how I like to live my life. Um, I started off as um, an actor when I was a kid. I did a lot of commercials. Um, I thought that was kind of what I was only going to do. I I loved musicals, so I used to sing a lot more than I do now. But um, and then very quickly, I thought, oh, I actually the singing is is hard, and a lot of the musicals that I was getting cast in, I didn't love, and so I actually ended up loving doing plays more than I loved doing musicals. And then from there, you know, I was lucky. I did a couple of Broadway shows. I I did a bunch of plays in New York, and then. I sort of met up with, um, you know, friends along the way. And we sort of, we started creating our own work, which to me was sort of the most fulfilling. Um, I produced and I was on, I was co-starring on a web series with my friend Kate Weatherhead. Um, Kate Weatherhead and Andrew Keenan-Bolger, who people may or may not know, created a web series called Submissions Only. Um, and we did that for a little over four years. We did four, three seasons of that this past summer. And it's been 10 years since we've done one. And then this past summer, a production company contacted us and said, we loved watching this in college and we now are a big fancy production company and we would like to produce this as a legit pilot. So they spent a lot of money and um, paid us and recast all the original cast members. Everybody was available. I guess it was a pandemic and most actors were not working. So everybody was available. So they all came back and they did it. Um, And it was incredible. Um, And we'll see. So now we're in the process of um, you know, selling it, which is its own beast. Um, but I feel good about it. The product is great. And, um, you know, it's just going to take one brave person to put it out in the world. And, you know, it's unique. There's nothing like it. I mean, there hasn't really been a show about the behind the scenes of show business, um, especially New York theater. And I think that's what makes this, um, super interesting. And what else? And I'm also, uh, I just, I co-directed a play, a Terrence McNally play, um, at George Street Playhouse called It's Only a Play um, with one of my best friends, Kevin Cahoon. Um, and it was wild to direct that with him. I've directed a bunch of readings and workshops and things like that, but this would be the biggest, like, I was like, oh, there's just a giant set and and this is me. And Kevin was doing a lot of it from Zoom because he was filming something in Atlanta, which is why I was brought on. At last minute, he got this big giant TV job and couldn't be there for most of rehearsals. So he would Zoom in and I would be physically in the room. Um, but it was great. I mean, I'm really proud of it. It's a it's a farce. Um, it was one of McNally's last plays. Um, it's all about theater and it's super wacky. And um, I'm filming a uh, I'm on a I'm on a Netflix series right now called Uncoupled, um, starring Neil Patrick Harris. 
and um, Tisha Campbell from the Martin fame. If you remember, she was Martin's wife in that old, that old sitcom. Um, we, there's eight episodes. I'm doing three of them. I play one of Neil's friends. Um, we shot the pilot a couple of weeks ago. Um, I go back in January and I film two more um, episodes and um, it's been great. It's been great. And then I'm developing a series on my, of my own, which I can tell you a little bit about later, which is the thing I'm most proud of. So. Wow. Um, yeah. Do you know Dan, Dan Amboyer? Yes, he's actually on, he's going to be on the show. Yes, he is. We had him on this podcast. Oh, so we that's have, so funny. So we have two people on the Netflix Uncoupled that's upcoming really funny. series. <laughs> yeah, I've not, I haven't filmed with him yet. He is in a scene with me that we shoot in January. I want to say he's like one of Neil's um, rebound guys or something. Because um, Neil gets broken up with in the series, very in the pilot. So I'm not really giving it away <laughs> right in the beginning. Um but yes, I think I've met him. I mean, he looks really familiar to me. And I think maybe I've just been in the same audition room with him. Um, but someone, um, uh, Jay Rodriguez of the Queer Eye for the Straight Guy fame, the original one, plays my husband on it. So he's a really good, like, snoop. So he figures out everything that's going on. So he he sent me Dan's picture and said, oh, my God, you know, I think this guy Dan is going to be in the scene with us. Um, it's been fun because I haven't, I mean, I've been lucky and I've done a bunch of TV before but this feels like a, this is a brand new thing. And so I have a lot of friends who are currently auditioning for it and I'm, you know, I'm a recurring character on it. And so it's just been kind of fun for friends to message me and say, Hey, this is the scene that I'm in and you're in it. Can you help me? Like, what's the tone, you know? So in, in the best of my ability, I'm trying to like get all my friends on the TV show, even though I have zero power, <laughs> but I'm coaching them. So they're at least getting called back or like some interest, you know, but um. Yeah, we'll see. I I mean, it's it's I'm just acting on it. So you never know. When you do TV and film, it's like, you know, your performance is um not left up to you mm-hmm. as much as it is a little bit when you're doing theater. You know, you don't have you really have almost no control over what's happening. You know, mm-hmm. the way it's edited and the way it's shot and all that stuff. So you just have to like let it go and just do the best you can, you know. We'll say hi to Dan when you I will. I totally will. That's so funny. It's so random. I love it though. <laughs> It's so great. do you, do you want to do you want to tell us a little more about the project that you're excited about your project mm-hmm. that you mentioned? I do a couple of years ago um I was out of town working I was doing um I was doing something at the old globe and I just had a lot of time on my hands and I just started watching a bunch of tv and I started getting very um I don't know frustrated is the word but I sort of it was just my it piqued my interest that there wasn't really a television show about uh about a gay protagonist that the show is literally about him and then everybody is revolving around this one character, you know? And I kept thinking about all the famous TV shows that have gay characters in it, like Schitt's Creek and, um, and Will and Grace. Um, and, and, and those shows, neither one, neither Will or the Dan Levy character were the protagonist. They were just part of, they were part of this entity. Um, and so I started writing a series about my family and about me and about, you know, being in my 40s and living in New York and at the time being single. I mean, I'm not single anymore, but I was three years ago. And just how, like, the dating life is so interesting in New York and how, you know, how you can... I, I wanted to write a story about a gay man who didn't have, you know, a drug issue and, and didn't have a, a, a non-supportive family, you know what I mean? Or didn't have a disease or didn't have all these things, you know, because that is that is a part of life and a lot of, you know, LGBTQIA people struggle with all of that. 
but I was blessed and I didn't struggle with that. So I was like, why can't we tell a story about, about a gay man who just happens to have issues who'd have like every other person, you know what I mean? Happen. And I think to me, it's like, I guess we, we have these markers in our lives where we think we reach a certain age and we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. And you never really do. And that's just, that's life. And that's growing. I mean, you learn certain things and you go, well, you know, I'm never going to have six glasses of wine ever again. Cause I knew I was hung over from that. You know, I'm only going to have three, you know, and you learn little markers along the way. But to me, um, and I think my family is really interesting and, and funny and ridiculous, you know, and at the time I was super single. So I was going out on like, Oh my God, so many dates, like meeting people on like hinge and like all match and all these dating apps. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like horrendous. You know? And then all these people would be like, why are you single? Like, I don't understand why you're single. And you know, um, so anyway, I wrote this pilot, um, that has changed exponentially since I have written it, which is great. Um, I gave it to my really good friend, Jeff Hiller. I don't know if you know, Jeff Hiller. Um, he's incredible and has been my friend for 20 years. And I think he's a fantastic writer and comedian and performer. And he, I knew he had written some stuff and I went to go support him in a one man show that he wrote at Joe's pub. And then after that, I was like, Oh, he's going through something very similar that I am, except he's, he's married and he's got certain markers that I haven't really gotten yet, but, but collectively we were sharing a, a mutual experience being in our forties and gay men in New York city. So I gave it to him to read. I said, what do you think of this? Um, he loved it. And then, but it was funny because the original version was me and my entire family and they all perish in a, in a really tragic way. And I'm left to care for my niece. So it's like a gay man, middle-aged who's caring for a niece and like, what do we do with her? Do I move her to New York? Like now I'm in charge of her whole life. Is that, that was what the original pilot was now. And he's like, I don't know why we're murdering everybody. Why can't we just, why can't we just keep them all alive? I love your parents. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. So the, the, I can always go back and rewrite that one or I can, that that's a whole separate show I can write. Um, but anyway, so we wrote this new version and then I started giving it to a bunch of friends that I trust, um, asking them, um, who have produced things before uh, in television. And I said, I know it's annoying, but if you have time, read this and let me know what you think. And it, to be honest, it was right before the pandemic was really kind of happening when Jeff and I were sending this around. And then uh, during the pandemic, there was actual time for people to dedicate and read, you know, um, my script, <laughs> which I mean, I, I, would not want there to be a pandemic, but the, the one good thing to come out of the pandemic was that there was time for super professionals to be like, yeah, I actually have time. I'm literally sitting in my apartment. I can read, I can read this thing. So I gave it to um, a really good friend of mine, um, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who people know from Modern Family. Um, he and his husband, Justin Makita, have a production company, read it, gave it to them. They really loved it. And then collectively we talked about who else we could send this to. And then our other friend, Zachary Quinto has, uh, a production company as well. And he's produced a bunch of stuff. So then we, so Jeff and I and Jesse and Justin and Zach started jumping on a bunch of Zooms. They really loved the whole thing. And then the next step was trying to get a showrunner um, to really be the person that's going to foster this, you know? So we made a list of like the craziest names you could ever think of. It was like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler and like, you know, Lauren Michaels. I mean, like, I don't know, <laughs> these crazy people, actually not Lauren Michaels, because the one the one stipulation we had is that I was like, I need it to be a woman who's going to be the showrunner, or I need it to be a person of the LGBTQIA community. You know, no, no offense to all of all of my straight men that I love with all my heart. 
I just thought, you know what, this is a story that I'm telling, like with, with a certain level of sensitivity. Um, and I just, and to be honest, it was really, it was eye-opening for me because it was very difficult to create a list with just those categories in it. Like there are not that many female and LGBTQ um, showrunners in Hollywood. It was kind of wild. Like our list was not that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but right at the top was Michael Patrick King who produced and, and wrote most of Sex and the City. Um, so they reached out to him. They all had the same agent because they're all fancy. And they reached out to him. He took a Zoom with them during the pandemic and they, he, they gave him the script and he read the script and he liked it. And then he said, great, I want to meet with the boys. Let's jump on a Zoom. So we jumped on a Zoom with him. And my story about not being very technological, I had it on mute or something on my computer and I could not figure out a way to get it off. But I could hear them and they couldn't they couldn't hear me. So like my immediate first thing was like, oh God. And Michael's like, take a breath, Colin, take a breath. You'll find the unmute button. Like he read me for filth. He was like, from the get-go, he was making fun of me. And I was like, oh, all right, this is going to be a good, this will be a good combination. So we've been writing with him for... At least we wrote with him for about eight months before, and then and then it was announced that Sex and the City was happening. So then he took a little hiatus from us to work on that, um, and now he's coming out of he's coming out of that. Um, and we signed our shopping agreement this week between all of us. So it's like we are an entity now, and now we continue to write the pitch, and then we have to take it and try to sell it somewhere. So. Um, it's exciting. And now it's starring, it's starring Zachary Quinto. So he's, he's playing the male lead in it, which originally I wrote it for myself. <laughs> so, but very quickly, um, right. I actually was a very quick, Jeff was actually a little more upset about it than I was. He was like, wait, we wrote this for you. And I love Zach, but like, uh, this is your story. And I don't know. And I kept thinking like, I've never been on this side of the table writing something ever in my life. And if this actually happens, I don't, I can't, I, I just, I just knew I didn't have the the oh. ability to take on both at the same time, nor because there are certain things that shifted so much and the show's gotten a lot darker that there are certain situations that the main character is now going to be in that I don't know that I can picture myself wanting to act through, you know, like certain sexual things or emotional things. And I kept thinking, God, my family is going to see this. and My niece is going to see this. It's going to be a lot easier if it's not me playing it and Zach's doing it and I'm not doing it. <laughs> And then it just gave me a certain level of freedom to be like, you know what? I can write whatever I want and not have this little voice in the back of my head saying like, you really going to do that with some guy, you know what I mean? On camera. Yeah. I don't think you're going to do that. You know, anyway, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, there's, it's still a long road ahead, but it's been, um, it's been really, uh, really exciting for lack of a better word. That's wonderful. Congratulations. Yeah. That's thank you. Really great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so people are listening to this. If you are going to, sort of offer them an idea, a thought, like an inspiration or takeaway about creativity or being creative. Mm-hmm. What is something you might share? Um, I would say think outside the box. And I, I mean, I, I also teach, I teach um, TV and film to kids, um, how to audition on TV and film. And I always say to them that it's not just about like memorizing their lines and it's not just about trying to get an audition it's about like going out and experiencing life and living and like going to a museum or walking across the Brooklyn bridge or like doing anything that has really nothing to do with acting because it all has to do with acting. Like living is, is being creative, you know? Um, 
And honestly, the things that brought me the most creativity, I mean, during the pandemic, this is actually sort of interesting. I forgot, I left this out. During the pandemic, I started a mask business with my mom to raise money for charity. So, cause she was making, she's an incredible seamstress, always has been. She, right in the beginning, when we were all like being dumped on with coronavirus in Manhattan, she started um, making masks um, for all of my friends. And so very quickly, nobody had any masks and I'm sending it out like snail mail to all my friends. And then finally I thought, why don't we sell these? And like 50% of the proceeds can go to whatever charity someone chooses to buy, um, chooses to send the money to. And it very quickly took off and it was pretty wild. It was like, we raised like $26,000. Wow. Um, yeah. And it was at a time where like all the elections were going on, but we raised it for um, the Trevor Project and um, Planned Parenthood and, you know, like Afghan Women Relief Fund. I mean, like Black Girls for Therapy. I mean, it was like, I mean, over at this point, I think at least over 350 charities. And so my mom and I, I would go home, I would get tested. Her and I would sit and make the masks and we'd drink rosé and watch TV. You know, and then during the day I would write, you know, and I'd have Zooms or whatever. But then at night we would just make masks and like, we've got all these like really cool vintage, all this vintage material that she had. And I mean, I just, I got so much pleasure out of it. And just to like donate that money to to people that really needed it. Um, we donated a ton of masks to a bunch of schools for kids that couldn't afford masks. Um, and so I guess for me, it was just like, think outside the box. It's not just about, it's not just about whatever you think one thing about, whatever you think creativity means to you, there's probably a different avenue. Cause honestly doing that mask thing with her was, I don't know, probably one of the most creative things I've ever sort of come up with and to spend time with my mom and, and, you know, to make them together was, you know, really great. So, Aww. yeah. And it's still, I mean, people are still buying the masks. You can buy one at, at masks by Terry on Instagram. <laughs> there's so much that we still have a ton of them left and people are still buying them for Christmas for friends. We're like, okay. You know, I mean, I, I gave them away to anybody, any, any person who asked, I was like, sure, just take the mask. But people that could afford it, that were like, here's a hundred bucks, I'll buy five masks, you know, give it to charity. And by the time, you know, we paid for the shipping and I mean, the materials and, you know, whatever, I mean, we didn't make any money on it, but we were able to, yeah, I don't know, just give back to people. And, you know, my roommate and I are doing a toy drive right now for these, um, the Randolph houses in Harlem. And, you know, it's incredible. Like when you just start something and like, I was like, oh, really worried. We said to this, you know, company that we would help them and try to, you know, get some toys donated. And then we just kind of put it out on social media. And I guess that's when social media is great. You know, the rest of it's like sort of the devil to me. But there are certain things about social media that are wonderful. And we probably had, I don't know, 70 or 80 toys that have shown up like this week. And, you know, the people came and picked it up and they're like, these kids are going to be so excited. They, you know, they can't afford, the parents can't afford toys. And this is just like, you know, I don't know. It's great. So I feel like you put good, you put good energy out there. Hopefully it will come back to you. you know? If people want to reach you, Colin, how can they reach you? Yeah, they can reach me. Well, I really, I don't have a website. I don't know. Years ago, someone's like, you should have a website. You know, it's really crazy. <laughs> Maybe this is getting a little too political, but a friend of mine from high school was like, do you know, colinhamlin.com is actually, um, it goes to a Trump campaign, like for donations. And I was like, what? So I looked up colinhanlon.com and I was like, oh my God. And it turns out some guy in California, <clears throat> but excuse me, bought the d- domain name. And if you go to colinhanlon.com, it goes right to a, uh, right to a donation charity for Donald Trump. So don't go to colinhanlon.com. That is not me. <laughs> it will never be me. Um, but on Twitter or Instagram, it's just at Colin Hanlon. 
you know, just my full name. Mm. So yeah. that's the easiest way to sort of, that's easy. sort of get hold of me. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll put that in the links and, and we'll put to not go to colinhamlet.com since that is yeah. not you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Oh, Carl, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Recently, I've just been doing this toy drive and the mask thing. And I, I don't know. I just feel like I keep writing, like, you know, give back because it feels good. You know, it's, I think it's just sort of, I don't know. I feel like social media and the last, I have a lot of hope for humanity because of the last year, because of the things I've been involved in, um, just charity wise, the fact that there are good people out there and people do want to help people. And they do want to put their differences aside and for a, a common cause. And, you know, I think uh, to me, that's sort of been the most fulfilling thing, even though I have cool business things going on, you know, it's like those little things have sort of made me feel the best, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know, create something. I mean, that's really what it is. Like create your own work, you know, whatever it is. I don't know. Play with clay. I have no idea. It's like, just figure out some, some way to be creative every day you know, go take a Zumba class, go take a, you know, anything. It's all, it's all there. You don't have to be on a television show to be creative, you know? And to be honest, I felt the least creative when I was on, when I was on television shows, you know, which is really wild. I'm grateful for them, but you know, it's, you never feel like, yes, I'm fulfilled. You're always constantly like, am I saying the lines right? Can they see my, the dark bags under my eyes? Like, these are all things, you know, that I, that I think about. <clears throat> So, but I'm very grateful to be here and for you to ask me. And it's good to see your face again. It's been too long. Oh, it's good to see you too. Thank you for being yeah. on here and for joining me from Harlem. Yeah, from Harlem. And <laughs> <laughs> say hi to New York City for me. I will always. Yeah. Come back. So, Come back. It misses you. Yeah. I look forward to it. So everyone who's listening, if you'd like to reach Story and Horse, you can find us at storyandhorse.com and all of social media is at Story and Horse. And thank you so much for joining us today for today's episode and look forward to you um, coming on and listening to us for the next episode of Story and Horse. Thanks, Colin, so much for being here today with us. Of course. Of course. Anytime. Thanks for being with us today. Please help us spread the word by subscribing and sharing this podcast with friends. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode.